I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast. Every Mum the Podcast was created for one reason, to get honest about parenthood, about the realities, the joys, the surprises and the fears, the moments that form us and the ones we don't hear people talk enough about, which is why we are so proud to partner with Water Wipes as our sponsor for this season, as they share this mission with us and are such an essential brand for every mum. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes containing just two ingredients, 99.9% water and just a drop of fruit extract, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and also the proud winners of three National Parenting Product Awards 2020, including Best Baby Wipes. During the early days as a parent, everything is uncertain, but choosing the right wipes shouldn't be a worry. With no artificial fragrance, soap, silicones or colours, Water wipes are suitable for sensitive newborn and even premature skin. Together, we are committed to providing more reassurance for parents with trusted products and this podcast, helping us to all take those important steps towards greater confidence while building a community of support for every mum. Dervil O'Rourke has been an icon in Irish sport. I can still see her draped in the tricolour at the World Championship Games in my mind. And now as a business owner and mum of two, she is running the marathon that we all know and call motherhood. There was a lot of reasons why I wanted Durable to be a guest on this podcast. She's a role model. She's building a business around supporting people with fitness and nutritional programs. But most of all, I admire how fiercely honest she is about the realities of being a woman with ambitions and goals while figuring out how to be the best mum she can be. She's not afraid to tell it like it is and knows that to keep the pace of this life, we all need to take better care of ourselves. So I was really excited when she invited me to meet her in her hometown of Cork and tell us all how she is running her most rewarding race yet. Today on Every Mum the Podcast, I am joined by a mum of two, one of Ireland's most liked and most successful athletes on the world stage, and now a woman who is turning her passion for food and for fuel and for exercise and for doing and keeping ourselves well um, into a business that is helping others to do so too. I'm so happy to be joined by Derbler Work. Thanks for having me. It's kind of exciting because I don't, I'm trying to remember the last time I was on a podcast. I actually did a sports one a few months ago, but I've, I don't think I've ever been on one really talking about all personal stuff. So this is kind of nice. Good. I'm glad because I think I mean, it's a make sense that you would be on a sports podcast you are somebody who's incredibly admired for all of your sporting achievements but what I love at the moment is that I follow you on Instagram and I follow what you're doing in terms of your business model and I love how you're turning your sports version and personality into actually now I'm a mother I understand that at a very normal real level we all need small tangible steps in order to make ourselves feel better yeah, I think I I was an athlete, I reckon, for kind of 14 years. I give it about 14 years in my head. I did a lot of other things at the same time. My absolute focus was running fast for 14 years. And I love how the, you, you simplify it. My yeah. focus was just running fast, fast. for it's 14 simple. years. It's only 100 meters. Get from A to B, jump a few hurdles as quickly as possible. Um, it's a little more complicated when yeah. you um, have yeah. my sporting ability. <laughs> you know... But I always make things simple. So I'm like, hey, it has to be simple. And that's what it was. But I was always surrounded by like unreal people. So like I have this genuine theory that I'm not actually 
that physically talented, but like I was really good at kind of like high performance managing myself and convincing people to believe in the dream. So I used to That's source That's probably people. a lot about it though, the, yeah. the cognitive telling yourself you can do it. Yeah, I genuinely was like, you know what I think I can do? I think I can be like one of the best in the world, but to do that, I need you to help me and this is the area I need you to help me with. So I would have ended up building this like amazing team around me of people who weren't being paid for it. They're volunteers and they were just along for the journey because they wanted to see could they help me run as fast as I thought I could run mm. and I did you know I left my career without a lot of regrets but what happened then was I ended up kind of upskilling in all these areas of health without even kind of meaning to because I was around you know I'd be talking to like the best doctors we have or talking to the best dietitians who actually worked on my second book or I'd be traveling with like I remember traveling with a Norwegian girl and she was like the Norwegian Olympic Committee dietitian and so I was always getting all this information and I wanted to be able to make that really useful for people who aren't just trying to run really fast over 10 hurdles and then what happened was I retired and I very quickly went from someone who was being paid a few quid to jump hurdles to no one was paying me a few quid to do anything I had to have a normal job and it's so much harder when it's not your career to stay healthy because okay, all our employees want us to be healthy, but that's on a kind it's of... not the primary motivation. Though. No, they want us to make them money or, you know, do our job. So for me, I had to figure out how do I incorporate all this stuff I know into my own life. And then I started for fun coaching two of my friends a few years ago. And like, we caught, we did a WhatsApp group and we called it Run Club. And it the girls changed it like really quickly to Rum Club. And... We, Smart move. I know, it, it, like it just descended down and we just have a laugh. So like yeah. we meet up and at that stage we all had, I had one and they had two each and we were just in that fog of life where like you literally want to kill someone for not emptying the dishwasher. <laughs> the or, rage. Yeah, the rage. is a, One of us would always have the rage. But yeah. we, we made ourselves meet up and train together and which I is hard to, to do I think if you're on your own doing it you'll always find a reason not to get out so hard like it's so hard to do and then what ended up happening is if I'd go away for work or if something had happened Daphne or with one of their kids people would miss sessions so mm. I started like recording things on my phone and sending them to them and I couldn't decide did that make me a good friend or an absolute lunatic but I'd record me doing like a circuit session and be like okay girls you can't see each night but do the circuit session three times and then you know try and cook one of these recipes so they, they kind of became the big motivation to turn it into a business. Yeah. Um, and even now, like... You didn't wake up one day and say, I want this business. You no. saw the benefit With of the girls, yeah. bringing them on this journey, using what you know. Exactly. But also the funny thing was it really benefited me. So as much as like I was going, oh, my God, aren't I great? Now I'm coaching the girls. Like if I wasn't coaching them, I was finding that I wasn't doing it myself because it's hard. It's hard to motivate yourself. You've got a lot so you had a on. purpose again. Exactly. So I loved it. And um, yeah, so they became definitely the guinea pigs for what then became the website and the community of people. And like it's it's gone, it's become something I probably didn't imagine at the start, but in a really, really good, mm. positive way. So it's great. I love how though, because you were an athlete surrounded by experts and coaches and people with individual skills, all there to help you perform at your best. Yeah. You now recognize that actually we all need that. Like you can't just exist in your daily life and just be like, I can do it all. And I think as mothers, oh. we're terrible at asking for help and we're terrible at delegating. And we just think that I should be able to do all of it all of the time. 
Did yeah. you find like going from that environment where, yes, you're the athlete and it is your responsibility to run as fast as you can possibly go, but there's all of these other things being plugged in to make you the best you possibly can be? Yeah, I do. This is a weird thing. When I was an athlete, I would have had no problem ringing up the head of like medicine at the rugby and saying, hi, this is Derv Lorick. I need you to give me an appointment to help me with my Achilles because I'm trying to run fast. I would have found that really easy. But for me to pick up the phone once I had a baby to someone and say, I'm really struggling. Can you please come mind the baby for an hour? I would have found that much harder to do, which is mad. And I think we're all a bit like that. I, I'm trying to be better. I think I'm baby number two. I'm definitely better at it, but it's still a massive struggle. I don't know why I don't know why that asking for help is a struggle because I was so assertive as an athlete and even in, in the business, you know, I would be very assertive at what needs to get done. But I find as a mother that whole you just morph into this <laughs> slight martyrdom of like Yeah, I'll do it all. Don't, don't worry about me. I'll just do it all till I fall over and But die. then you grow resentful. Yeah, and rageful and want to kill everybody. Yeah. So you're doing it, but you're not. So I don't think it's, oh, I've had to work really, I have to work really hard at it all the time. It's definitely the role that I, the most challenging role I have, but the one I enjoy the most. Like it's such a nightmare morning this morning where like my four-year-old, she just refused to go to her summer camp, even though she loves it. And I know it was because I was there and I had the baby with me and she decided she wanted to come home. And I was so stressed. <laughs> I was so stressed. And I could see all these other moms whose kids are going in like, no bother. And I was there. I'm so stressed. So the judgment on yeah. you again, going, what are they doing right that yeah. I can't? How is, why is their child just giving them a kiss and strolling in? And my child is actually trying to pull down my shorts. Um, and I was really stressed. And then I got into the car. And then she actually just sang the songs from summer camp on the five minute drive home. <laughs> which I don't know, did that make it better or worse? Because I knew she loved it. But I actually just thought... You know, you just this tea will pass like just a few deep breaths. And that's fine. it. That's it. It's it's tell like all the time I have to tell myself this too shall pass. Yeah, Everything is do. a phase. Yeah. Everything's a phase and it's I think how you feel it versus how the child your child feels it is totally different. Like I take things personally and then I have to talk to myself. Mm. I find I've never in my life had so many internal conversations when they're okay, Jervil, this is not the reality of the situation. Do not cry. It'll be fine. Um, so you're mentally coaching yourself more now as a mother than you were as an Olympian athlete. Honestly, like I say to people, and I think they think I'm joking. I would take, it was easier to qualify for the Olympics than it was to juggle. Like, and I don't even just mean because I have two. When I had one, it was, I find the juggle really hard. Like yeah. I have quite a big gap. Like Daphne is nearly four and Archie's only 14 weeks. Like, I, if I had had two under two, I'd been at home for the bewildered. Like I couldn't, I just couldn't do the juggle. Like I found it astonishingly hard and I could never figure, and I still can't figure yeah. like, why do I find it much harder to leave the house than most people? I don't know. It's madness. I remember when I became a mum and I'd been to like the antenatal classes and I'd been to the breastfeeding classes and yeah. I'd been to the Pilates classes and I knew everything about labour and I was going to, nobody told me how to leave the house yeah. after you have a baby. It's so, no. and, I, and I don't know why it's so difficult because I, it took until like two o'clock in the afternoon. My husband and I, my daughter might've been about two weeks old. We're like, we're just going to go out for coffee. Must've been about four o'clock in the afternoon. Yes. It's, it's funny. Like it's weirdly, I've had like such 
I'm mad life in some ways. And like, I would never have thought when I was a child, I would have gone on to be a professional athlete. Like I always wanted to go to the Olympics, but I never would have thought I would have carved out the career that I did. But yes, definitely the biggest challenge for me is trying to figure out being, a, not even being a, being a mom, not even being a really good one because it's being, and I think it's maybe back to that whole, like I would be very, I like order and control mm. and I like to go X equals Y. I know if I do this, it equals this. I know when running, if I do certain things, this will be the result. And if I, in the business, you know, if I do certain things, I hope it'll be, have a good result. And most of the time it does. And just when you throw a baby in the mix, you're like, oh my God. You have no control. It's like you just throw a bomb into it and you just They're hope. They're in charge. Like we did a really funny one recently. Um, the baby was like losing it. And it was in the evening, you know, pure witching air. And he was like losing it. And then my husband had to go down to the shop and to be able to exit the house so Daphne wasn't going to kill him. He said, um, oh look, mommy's eating your apple, which seems per- per- like perfectly reasonable. Yeah. I was like, and she lost her mind and he just went to the shop and I was there. Why would you Why throw that grenade at me? <laughs> you just threw a four-year-old grenade at me and went to the shop. I was like, why would you, why do you hate me? Um, I love how we take these attacks as so personal. So personal. And then, and when, then he fled the scene. And he fled. And, but it's funny. I do know with me, there's a direct correlation between how much have I slept yes. and how bad does this currently feel? And I have to be very And have mindful. I left the house today and have I had a shower? Yeah, I have to be very mindful. And like, I don't, yeah, so many, it's so funny. Like, so Daphne's nearly four and so many things have changed in those four. Like, I would think those four years have been more transformative than any other period in my life. Like, a hundred percent. Like, even, even friendships and relationships I'd have had before she was yeah. born definitely they're all different now I think they all change I think the village that you have before and after are completely different it's very different and like in some ways in some ways that can be sad because some of the people who I would have thought oh she's like I'll have a baby and this will happen and that it just doesn't you know Mm. for various reasons maybe they don't have kids or maybe their kids are at a different stage and you know I think there's a bit of a sadness around that and then other people who you maybe never think of just step up when you're drowning and you're going my God, that's so nice and it's so sound. And I think for me, I definitely, I definitely know kind of the people who, when I'm drowning, I'd call and the people who I wouldn't call. And I wouldn't, before I had Daphne, I wouldn't have known that. It's funny, like. Did you feel drowning going back to work? <laughs> no, like, and I should, uh, this is a really hard one for me because I love work. And I think to balance being like wanting to be the best mom you can be with being ambitious in your career is a Mm. really really hard balancing act um in some ways when I was working so Archie was 11 days late um and I I worked a lot and because I really love what I do I really enjoy it it's your business and it's also your your hobby yeah you've made a business out of what you love love. so there's like the the reality of the financial side of it is like it is my business so if I'm not working on it there's a lot of issues with that so I kind of have to but at the same time I, I have no resentment to that I don't mind doing it um and there's a massive flexibility in being your own boss mm. um but then I felt at times I almost would have to hide it from other people, you know, yeah. because there's that whole, well, why aren't you sitting onto the baby and just in that baby bubble? But the baby bubble was never something I particularly felt. I 
adore both of them, but I never wanted to sit under them. Now, when Archie was literally two weeks old, he was in here in this office for a meeting. And I remember myself and Greg had someone on a phone call. Greg's my business partner. We had someone on a phone call and I had Archie like, in you know, that rugby ball position for yeah. feeding. And I was half trying to tell Greg, like, he's just tricky on this side yeah. and half trying to do the phone call. And like, it was lunacy, but like, that's my version of motherhood. Yeah. And I think... I have to be okay with that, you, you do, know. My you version do. of motherhood, everyone's version is different and that's my version is the juggle and like for me being inside the house in the four walls, I find it isolating and I yeah. find it prison like I couldn't be there all day and I remember so many people would be messaging me saying, "Oh, you know, enjoy these days and he won't be tiny forever." And I'm like, "Thank God he's not tiny forever because you know, when he's so tiny, I'd be so worried about him." Um, and as well, he had lost a lot of weight and he's had silent reflux. So he's he's been tricky, you know. So for me coming into work and loads of the time I brought him, like we're here now in the office. It's like three flights of stairs up. Myself and Greg like dragging the buggy up the stairs. like, And I did laps of the table like with him. But for me, that was better for me than sitting in the house staring. It felt more like, I, that felt easier for me. So you're very goal orientated. You know, you're... Yeah. You must be very determined if you're to be an athlete to the level that you were. So I can't imagine you can go from that version of yourself to being able to actually just quietly sit at home. I'd imagine you always feel like, you know, you want to get out there and you want to achieve something. I think sitting at home is harder. I do. I think the work in sitting at home, because I think when I'm, because I've done obviously lots of time when, I, when I'd just be at home as well with him. Like yesterday, I didn't bother coming into the office. He was fussy. And I just said, you know what, today's not the day. Um, I find that for some reason I like people I like the company of people and you know when I would have come in here when Archie was tiny half the time we were talking about work but the other half I was talking about how much he was sleeping how his reflux was and you had company I had company you know and like I'm not going to arrive in my husband's office so I guess this became kind of a bit of a safe place for me um, but I think because you were making the decision to come in and you were yes. making the decision to do the types of tasks I that wanted you to wanted do. to do. Yeah, I didn't so do it's not as though somebody was putting pressure on you as a new mum to show up no. and to, to be able to perform. It was all within your control. Totally. And there was a load of stuff I said no to. It's funny, I was capable of coming in and, uh, but this is a very safe environment for me because it is my own business and, you know, I know everybody. And But then other things like someone would ask me, would I come and do an appearance? And there was just absolutely no chance I would have been able to manage that. Like, I was like, I cannot do that. Like, no way. But could I come in and plan out what's the next big piece of content fitness plan on the website? Absolutely. But I don't want to be on a stage. I'm not, I'm just not. But that's not your first love. Your first no. love comes from fitness. Yeah, it does. And lifestyle and being healthy and talking to people and just being like, how, like, through the business, like we have email and I have all my DMs and we have the Facebook group. So it's like, I love that. That feels yeah. very warm to me. Whereas, yeah. you know, I do do a bit of the corporate speaking and that kind of stuff. And I like it. And I actually think it's really important, especially for women, because I don't, we don't see enough women standing there telling their stories of their successes. So I think it's important. But certainly I haven't been doing a lot of that lately. But what I have been doing, which we've talked about, I know, is Ireland's fittest family. So that's been much more challenging than coming into the office. Last week, you started shooting again for Ireland's fittest family. Yes. And you, what I loved was that you were so honest about the realities of bringing Archie with you and saying like, well, of course I have to bring him. And so he's here. My mother is here. The pump is here. 
everything is here. Instead of making viewers assume, oh, there's Nerval after 14 weeks and isn't she grand? Oh yeah, no, it was, it was horrendous. Like I actually, I actually had, to, we, so we shot for two days, but I live in Cork and we were shooting in Wicklow and Dublin. So it meant I had to get the baby, the baby to Dublin, which ordinarily getting myself to Dublin was pretty easy, but it, we, we think it took seven hours. By the time I left my house, so I left my house, we hadn't left Cork. I had to call into my husband's office to get him to take the other car seat out of the car because I couldn't figure out how to move it. That's how frazzled I was. And then I it's realized... It's funny, isn't it? Those little things. Yeah, it's I like, couldn't. I can't cope with this right now, yeah. so you just need to come here and fix this. I was there on the phone to him, I have to come to your office because I cannot get this out of the car. And mm. he was like, have you read the instructions? I don't That's, have time to read I was like, that's not the <laughs> response I need. I need you to be outside the office. But the baby, we hadn't even, we hadn't even gone into the Jacqueline Shonlin Cork and which is kind of essentially your way out of Cork and there had been a poo explosion head to toe like head to the toe. tsunami always happens when you don't need it to I was there is this baby and he's there smiling at us from the back my hey, mum was going he's delighted my mum was going no Derv it's definitely a lot of poo I was like yeah okay okay handle it you're fine and then I realised I'd left his entire bag of clothes um, on the kitchen table back in my house so I had to go back got stuck in a load of traffic so three hours into the drive three hours into the trip I still had not left Cork oh God, and I ended up did you at one point think is there any point will we just call it a day I ended up in a McDonald's in Formoy and I swear to God like I don't even like McDonald's but I was just eating my emotions that. given everything we've just spoken about <laughs> of, or what you do in your now business I just love the idea of like do you know what even when you're at your most overwhelmed sometimes you just need to pull into a McDonald's I was like let's just go in here um but I think it's fun. Like, so I brought my mom. It took seven hours. Also, because he has reflux, he has to sleep at an angle. So literally his cot was in the boot. So we're driving around. Like, it looked like we we're going a holiday to France. Like, <laughs> honestly, if we had gotten on a ferry, it would look like we had enough stuff to survive. Um, and I remember getting to the hotel and I just rang Donica Callahan and I was like, he's just such a dote. He's got four kids. Yeah. His wife, Jenny, is amazing. And I was like, he gets it. You have to help us yeah. get out of the car. And he was there. No problem. I'm here. He's I'm on like, it. He's just on it. And he's there like taking everything out of the car. And I actually sent him a text as well during the journey going like, this is going to take me seven hours. Like, I'm so stressed. And he texted back going, you're with your mum and your beautiful son. Isn't that lovely? And I actually kind of put it in context. Yeah. I was like, oh. and I think, and I suppose that's the other thing about maybe before I had kids and now. So like before I had kids, I wouldn't have understood why someone saying something like that is so important yes you would have thought it was just too sweet yeah and and I was like that's true like when do me and my mom spend seven hours together now life's so busy we probably don't and you know when does mom get a chance to be with me and Archie for that long never and like my mother like had a great time loved the trip like came home and I was exhausted I felt like I'd been hit by about three trucks and she was there there a lovely time (laughs) and I was like thanks mom but like yeah it was very very hard but see, she had she had you trapped you know what I mean she, she had, had me in the car I had to tell her all my secrets yeah she knows all of them now. is that not what every mother wants yeah that's what I'm gonna do to my daughter when do you think older. in that you're like judging yourself too harshly because you were so used to just getting on a flight and traveling anywhere in the world and getting there in shorter distance or shorter time than seven hours and performing on a world stage and just being able to succeed all the time and now here's a little thing like a car seat is beating you yeah I think I just I tend not to get like kind of frazzled in normal life Mm. and nothing you seem very chilled out yeah nothing will make me as frazzled as something like a car seat or I think as well 
and I think I said it on Instagram one night, my baby's crying, either it's Daph because she still feels like my baby even though she's nearly four, yeah. or Archie, it kind of pierces my soul. Yeah. And like maybe I'm just programmed that way and I think there's nothing else that has ever been as important to me. So then that has a whole effect on everything else. I'm like, this is so important, but I can't get your nappy on. Yeah, and I need to get this right. I need to yeah, get it right. Exactly. I find like I just break out into the mom sweats and I just, and, and oh, if yeah. people, if someone's talking at you when your child is crying and you're yeah. just trying to drown out, you're like, I have no idea what they're saying. After the conversation ends, you're like, I have no idea what that person said. I was just nodding in agreement throughout all of that. I was just focusing on the crying. The crying. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, it's a, I don't think I really put myself under too much pressure, but I think it's so important to me that I get stressed easier because of it. So it's, it's a funny, it's funny. But then it's like, it's definitely the best thing as well I've ever done, like without a doubt. And mm. like, you know, we went on holidays there for a week recently. We only went to West Cork. Like, this is how low-key we are and um, struggle with the juggle. We could only stay within the Cork boundaries for our holidays. So we went to West Cork and the two of us by the end of the week, like, were absolutely knackered. And, um, but we were there like, I feel so, like, we were knackered, I think, on the last night. And then we were there showing each other pictures of them on our phones, yeah. like, total losers. We were there, like, every single there. night. They exhausted. They cute, though. Look at how cute they look there now. You hear saying this, so like, it's funny. It's it's definitely, it's totally, it's definitely. I think me as a mother is a totally different derval, and I having to kind of adapt to that, and then still, still have those elements of the really ambitious wanting to like get stuff done. Like it's just such a weird combination for me. Did you have any doubts about being able to do the filming schedule with Archie so young? Yeah, I tried to cancel. And I didn't, I thought, I made this decision in complete isolation on my own in my house one day when he was screaming um, that I wasn't going to do it. He was six weeks old and I was walking around the house with him and I was going like, I'm actually just not going to do it. And I had this whole like internal conversation in my head about not doing it. And I was like, I'm not going to do it. And these are all the rational reasons why I'm not. And then Peter came home from work and I stopped, by the way, I'm not going to do Fittest Family this year. And like to put it in context, like it's the only TV show I do. Um, I don't do a load of media. Like, I love the show. I'm really proud of everything we do there because I think it's a really nice show. It's a gorgeous family show. And so if I didn't do it, it would have meant a year out of doing that kind of work um, and potentially not coming back on it. So, but I was there to Peter, nope, I'm not doing for this family. And he was like, okay. And then I said, I'm just going to ring <laughs> Maraid Ronan and tell her I'm not doing it. And I think I knew in my head that I needed to talk to someone who and she'd get it who would get it like and who also I have so much respect for her in every way like as a mom as a businesswoman as like just everything I think she's just a very impressive down-to-earth kind person so what I loved about her when we met to record the first episode was she just didn't she didn't doubt herself she was very but in a really down to earth yeah, not a exactly. not a blowy overconfident way no. but just in a real I'm just gonna give it a shot and yeah I've got three kids I'm just gonna give it a shot yeah it's instead a, of I'm gonna have to if I'm gonna do this it has to be perfect because I think when you start in thinking like that you can think of a million reasons why you're not going to succeed at it and then a million reasons why you just shouldn't even try exactly and she's I remember when she signed up to Dancing with the Stars 
and I was messaging her going like fair because I knew I knew Bonnie was only about three months yeah, old she was so young and I was going oh my god like fair play like in my head going I don't know how she's managing it so I think when I rang her I probably wanted to be talked back off the cliff and given the reasons why I had the skill set and tools within me to do it yeah that's an interesting call because if you were, if you wanted to be talked out of it, yeah, she's not who you would have called. No, she's not. And like, I would have called one of my friends who, you know, works in a different type of job. Yeah. And, but I didn't. I called her and I gave her all their. Like, I started the conversation with like, so you know, Archie's quite tricky, Maraid, and like, you know, he doesn't really sleep, and he has reflux, and he screams, and I don't know why he screams, and you know, blah blah blah. And I gave her all the reasons, like laid it on thick, and she was there. Okay. Okay, and like she she had the like pure mother empathy to not interrupt or to not tell me why I was being sleep deprived and dramatic and emotional. So she was like, and I think at the end she was like, everything you say is totally correct and I completely hear it. Um, but you're thinking with, I remember saying, you think of your heart, not your head and here are the reasons why you can do it if you choose to. You don't have to, but here are the reasons why you can. And she gave me all these really rational reasons. And that was pretty much the deciding factor, which is, which is amazing because for her to have had such an impact, but it's because I have that much respect for her and I did have it within me to do it and I'm doing it now and I'm getting through it and I'm really proud of myself for doing it. Like I don't, you know, getting through the first two shows the other day, I really enjoyed it and like, I found it completely frazzling. Like, don't mm. get me wrong. Like I was definitely about to cry twice. But I'm surprised only twice. Only twice. Interesting. That's because good. It was good day. My, it was because my mom was there. I did find myself at one stage saying, I need my mom. And then realizing, oh my God, I'm the mom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, but it's. Um, think, were they welcoming on set? You know, were, was, it, was it a supportive thing when you said, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm signing up. I'm going to do this. But Archie has to come with me. And for Archie to come with me, the entourage has to come with me. Yeah. All the drama and the car full. Yeah. A lot of the people on the show have kids. So yeah. they do get it. But then at the same time, it's still a television show. Yeah, it's, and it's, you're, you're there to do a job. You're there to do a job. So for me, I have to be very black and white with what I need and what, and not what I need because my needs are kind of whatever. It's what he needs, what I need for him to be in a good situation on yeah. it. So um, that's an interesting one. It's an interesting one to juggle. and I. But I think it's also important because... I think we need to be more flexible with women and, you know, I don't think having a baby should be a reason to fall off the cliff face of certain types of work and you shouldn't come invisible. Especially when they're so rooted to your personality and your passions. Yes. Like I think it's different for, for women who are doing a job because that's just what they're, what they're in, but they don't necessarily love it to a degree that they would choose to go in. But for you, how you describe work, it's so linked to how you feel Yes. As a person. Yeah, like I rarely, I rarely feel like work is work, if that makes sense. Like I feel like I'm just like, oh, I'm going to, I call it work, but it feels like, oh, I'm going to do something I really enjoy today. And I think I'm really fortunate that I've been able to carve that out. Like I've worked really, really hard to carve it out, but I'm fortunate. Um, But certainly I think it's important that I've done it and I'm still obviously in the middle of it. Um, Another thing Raid said to me, she's like, you know, I think when this show comes back at the end of October, if you're not on it, you'll be really sad for yourself. And like the, the you now at six weeks is not going to be the you with Archie when he's 13 weeks. It's not going to be, you're not, you're both going to have changed so much in this time. Mm. And 
this will all pass. Where you are now will feel different in a few weeks. And to a certain extent, you have to ride the storm. And, and I am and I have and it's still like it's definitely not easy but I think it's important I've done it I'm re- I'm totally proud of the fact that I've done it I think you said something to me the other day that it wasn't about returning full time it wasn't like you were signing out of newborn mum mode no. it was a project totally like it was going to do a project and one of the things she said to me she was like it's 12 to 15 days in an entire year yeah and she was like, you're looking at it as it's a definition of whether you're a good mum or not. And for some reason, I kind of was. And he was You were building weeks. it up in your mind. Totally. It was totally different in my mind to the reality. And I was going, yeah. And she was like, it's not, doesn't define that. This is this. And she was like, Andy's at the perfect age. He wants a bit of a feed, a bit of a snooze and a bit of a cuddle. And she was like, if you told me you wanted to bring the four-year-old, I'd tell you you were out of your mind. So she's like, you know, let's figure out ways yeah. to make it work. Bring it into perspective. I think that you're you're incredibly lucky in the line of work that you do because I think for a lot of women you're either you're excluded from absolutely everything. Just I like always it's awful. It's awful. I felt like that when I was about to go on maternity leave, firstly I I worked far too long and <laughs> close to the finish because I was I knew who I was in that role and I was so afraid that I felt like the moment I checked out to go on maternity leave, I had no clue who I would be. I'd just be at home waiting for this baby and I didn't know how to be a mother. So I I clung on to the identity. And then when I was off, now I took, I took eight months off and I, and I absolutely enjoyed it. And I felt that it was the best thing for me and my baby, but I would have loved the opportunity to have stayed who I was throughout. So I'd be able to do project work, but it's not like that for so many women. It's like, you're back when you're back, you're back. Yeah, and I and it's funny because I know some of my friends say have had babies around the same time. They're baffled that I'll be like, okay, I'm going to run into town today and have a meeting. And they're kind of going, Jesus, like, did I, did I she not sleep last night? Hey? And I'm like, but I'll literally be in for an hour and a half and then I'll be back. And, and it rejuvenates you. Totally rejuvenates me. And you feel like you're kind of in touch with the outside world and that kind of value. And I think, I do think, I certainly felt it. Maybe not everybody does. I felt at times isolated after my first pregnancy. I think when I had Daphne, I put a lot more, I I wrote a good bit of my second cookbook, but I wrote that on my own in my house. Mm. I didn't really have people I was really working with and I wasn't seeing people all the time and I found it massively isolating. Mm. And it's funny, Archie is definitely a trickier baby, but an easy, I'm finding it easier to be a mother to him than I found it to be a mother to her. Yeah, and because, yeah, as much as I'll ever know, um, but I find that I know what to put into place to kind of save myself from that isolation and that kind of going to that place where you're going, God, like, it's, you know how I'd almost describe it. It's the place where at five o'clock I ring Peter's phone going, are you in the car on the way home from work? Just so desperate. So desperate for someone to come in the door and... To not even necessarily to take the baby, but just to talk yeah, to you. And company. Just, and I, stimulation, like mental stimulation, to be able to just sit down and yeah. talk about things. So I so I think this time with Archie, instead of me going into his world of being a baby, I kind of just brought have brought him into my world of being a bit of doing a bit of everything. And like we just laugh and go like he has just been so many places and but sure he's fine, you know, he's doty and yeah. he's 
I don't and you have a short window when that's possible and totally. until he's mobile then yeah it's so much trickier yeah so like I'm not yeah and it's I do think I'm very fortunate that I can do this the way I do it and also that I know you know long term with Daphne and with Archie I can call the shots on when I'm working when I'm not working yeah. what I and that means sometimes you've other things you have to work late at night or you have to but you can you're very much not I'm very much don't justify myself if I leave the office at two o'clock to go to something like, you know, certain things are important to me, picking her up from things. And, you know, I'll, I'll never feel bad about that because I know the way I work. You said there that you felt it was easier now that you're on your second in terms of who you are as a mother. Yes. Do you feel that you were well prepared for the transition from who you were into motherhood? Oh, I wasn't, I absolutely wasn't prepared at all. It's funny, my mum would always say I took to being a mother really well. And I think I did, but I definitely, from the outside, certainly, but I think it's the the main thing in my life that I've struggled the most with trying to manage it, trying to figure it all out. I, I still haven't got it all figured out. Um, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared for any of it. So I wasn't, mm. I wasn't prepared for the birth. I, people kept saying to me, you're like they're like you're an athlete like you're really tough and I like to this day I was like that was one of the I don't want to say worst experience of my life having that like the birth had you set expectations for your body like my body now my, my, I've trained my body to do what it should do so I'm just going to train it I was like but shit, it's gonna have an amazing fine. birth I was like the labor will be fine like what are people talking about and then I got induced and I found the labor really really difficult mm-hmm. and I I think even in the middle of it I couldn't believe how difficult I was finding it and I like literally just I was just madness like I was there going oh my god this uh, why has no one told me about this but sure I wouldn't believe them no um but also I think with labors and stuff everyone's experience they're so yeah. different and that was just my experience that was Daphne same with Archie but like neither of them came out easy so yeah. I I had a lot of stitching and I physically was not good like it's one of the most traumatic physical things that can happen to you from a biological level and we somebody said if you had the same injuries as a result of anything else yeah you would be admitted and kept (laughs) for six weeks and absolutely cared for yeah but in this instance you're like off you go now pet there you go yeah, it was very, and I just remember being quite astonished that I felt so physically bad and that everyone was saying to me, isn't she gorgeous? And I was there, does nobody know how beaten up I am? Like, and I feel... It's so bizarre because everybody is celebrating what just happened. And <laughs> like, it was lovely because she was in the world and we yes. had a gorgeous little girl. But I think I was trying to go, oh my God, I feel so rough. Like, um, and I was definitely totally emotional. Um... And I think you, I think when you're a mom, you become a mom, you know, the birth happens and you're a mom. And I think parts of you just change instantaneously. But then I think, say for my husband, I remember, you know, he went out rugby training one night and I genuinely thought the baby was going to die. Like I had no rational reason to think she was going to die, but I was like, why would he leave me with the baby when the baby could just die? And it's just me and the baby in the house now. And I remember just staring out the window, like wanting him to come home. And then he did come home and I explained to him, I think through tears, like, oh, I can't believe you left me and the baby might just die. And he was like, what are you like? So I think there's all that emotional side of it where I think I honestly think I'll probably worry about her for the rest of her life. I don't think I'll ever have a day where I'll be blasé about either of them. Maybe some people are more relaxed than me. I don't know. I don't know. I think that I think that every 
not well, look, I think that a lot of women in that very early newborn stage, especially in the beginning, I mean, your hormones are flooded yes. to tell you that there's risk. Yeah. Like you've never experienced the type of risk that is now in your world. You have this incredible tiny little human who is completely reliant upon you for life. Yeah. And something has, something powerful has to happen to you to shake you out of the selfish old person that you used yes. to be and into primary caregiver mode. And I think that's the hormones just going, this is dangerous focus. But I think where there's a problem is when women don't, feel safe to be able to talk about those fears because people around them might think, oh, this is, this is very serious. I think it's so important that we're able to say today, I feel really anxious that something might really happen to her. And it's not that I'm going to do something or you're going to do something or that there's a real present danger, but it's true. It's feeling, it's how I feel. Yeah. And I think I didn't expect that. So I had come to the labor, which I thought would go way better than it did. And I think I was I was kind of very disappointed that I found it so hard, which is now I look back and think it's absolutely ridiculous. And then I felt so physically bad, like mm. physically. Re- I remember trying to get in and out of the shower and I was so sore mm. and I was gonna, like, and I was really worried I was going to slip yeah. and I was going to damage myself even more. And then I had that whole, oh my God, I'm anxious. Something might, the baby might just suddenly die, which is mad. Like, and then, so I was, tra- you're trying to juggle all of that. How long did that fear go on for? <sighs> Tony, I think it reduced. What massively helped me was breastfeeding her. And not, I am, I, I'm a big advocate of breastfeeding, but also I know how difficult it is, especially since I've had Archie, because Archie mm. has been really hard to feed. But for me, what happened with Daphne was she was really easy to feed. I didn't realize she was easy. I just thought that's you had how nothing it was. to compare it. Nothing to compare it to, but she was really easy to feed. So what happened with me was, and I was slightly on the fence before I had her because I'm so independent. And I was like, oh, you know, what would it be tying feeding the baby? But then I had her and she she was so easy to feed. And actually, all I wanted to do was feed her. Mm. I had this real primal thing where I'm like, when I'm feeding her, I feel like I really understand her. So for me, that I think that massively helped me mentally. I felt like funny. I wasn't failing when I was feeding her because it was the yeah. o- firstly it was the only thing that I knew how to do to stop her crying. Oh yeah, same here. <laughs> it was my only parental tool. Yeah, it's all um, I had in my uh, yeah, it's my, in my Arnold. That's all I, had, yeah. I, I was the same. I was like, I don't know what to do when this ends because babe, I've, <laughs> I've got nothing else, and I just felt like my my anxiety or my I don't know if I'm doing a good job self critic got silenced when I would sit down and feed definitely that happened to me it made me stop and it made me spend time with her in a non-anxious way I felt very and I know that's not a lot of people's experience and actually with Archie it wasn't my experience because he lost a load of weight and he had a tongue tie and he just really struggled to feed and if he had been my first I would have been a really 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 much worse experience um but did you reach out and get support oh my god I was like I think people thought I was mad I was constantly asking people for help with it but that was only because I'd come through having Daphne and I knew something was wrong I knew it was wrong and I knew and also I was more confident as a mother after having her that I felt and I have to say even with the birth experience of my second baby I had way more of a voice in the second one I f- not that anyone took it away in the first one, but I didn't give it to myself. I felt like I was kind of a spectator to everything yeah. in my first baby. You were just passive. I was there, oh, this is going on. All right, this is desperate. But now mm. in the second one, I didn't feel like that. Um, so for me, the feeding definitely had a very positive impact on 
kind of calming my state of things are bad things are going to happen that kind of calming also the other thing is I found being pregnant and having a baby people tell you things all the time oh you know you should do this now because you're pregnant oh you shouldn't do that and then you have the, you know you should do if you want the baby to sleep you should do this you shouldn't do that people always give you their opinion and in everything else I've done I don't think I've ever been as vulnerable as being a new mom so I wouldn't be as vulnerable so I'd be very very confident in what my opinion would be about stuff so Mm -hmm. like in the business and running I'd be like okay that's your opinion and I respect it but actually I'm going to do this but I found as a new mom when people would say something I'd go my god maybe they have a point like maybe I should be putting her like this or maybe I should be but then when I fed her for me I felt like well actually I understand how to feed her and I understand and only you can and only I can and I it really really helped me connect with her and I fed her to like I didn't I fed her to six months and then I weaned her off but it was massive massive for me and that's why I think as well I felt as passionately about feeding Archie even with all the problems because I feel for me mentally it's almost like a tool for me to connect with the babies but at the same time then I'm always with the breastfeeding stuff, I do talk about it on Instagram, but I'm also very conscious of like, there's so many people, it doesn't work out. And I see all the reasons because if you have any sort of issue at all and you're not, you're not comfortable enough to ask for help, it's really, really difficult. And I don't think we support women enough. I think it's really important to manage women's expectations of yeah. it and to direct them beforehand, like yes. in pregnancy to know here are the avenues for yeah. who you talk to and where you go if you're having problems, because I think once you're into problem zone, oh, you're spiraling very you're quickly. You're spiraling yeah. and you, you, you definitely don't have the, 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 you go from calm to freaked out so quickly that you just don't have the space to think, okay, where's that, where's that number? Who do I call? Where's that friend I know who did it well? Where's that lactation consultant? You actually kind of need your plan of action done beforehand. Definitely. And, but the thing is, I would never have done that before I became a mother. And I don't think, and I think, I just think. You're told to pack your hospital bag over and over. People are there, have you got the flip-flops? And their flip-flops really wouldn't have helped me much after having the baby. I could, there's other things that would have helped me a lot more, but. Think of the slip danger. I know, they're like, um, okay, flip-flops. Actually, one of my friends did, did something for me before I had Daphne. She gave me a box of um products breastfeeding products she yeah. had no idea if you're going to feed or not and it was all leftover stuff I do that for friends her. at baby showers so she hadn't gone and bought it so I didn't feel like she was putting me on any yeah. pressure to feed but she was like these are just leftovers yeah. for my daughter and like it might just be handy in the hospital so you don't have to be buying new stuff in case the feeding doesn't work out and I ended up using every single thing in the box yeah. and because you don't know what to buy I didn't know what to buy and she had just given it to me and now I look back on that and she's such a good friend and I'm like so kind yeah. and it's so it's done in such a lovely mother way that only someone who has been there could yeah. do did it change the dynamic of your relationship with your husband and even with family and friends oh I honestly don't I, myself and Peter like wouldn't really argue a lot like we don't but definitely throwing a baby in the mix to two. So my husband went to two Olympics for sailing. He's very competitive, very driven, goal-orientated, not too dissimilar to me. Um, and we would both be really independent people. You know, mm. it would be like, oh, I'd be there. Do you know what? I think I'm going to take on this project. And I would never, I'd always ask his opinion, but he would never really influence my decision. Yeah. I would always take his opinion on board, but he wouldn't massively influence it. And I like that. 
But then all of a sudden you throw a baby in the mix. And I felt as a mom, I always felt that I was way more responsible. And then I, I felt a bit of resentment for that. You know, like, why am I way more responsible? You know, I'm new to this as well. And I don't know the answers. Like, I remember you saying, like, why is she crying? I'm like, I don't know yeah. why she's crying. <laughs> Ask her. I don't know. Um, so that's something we've definitely had to navigate. Yeah. And like, I would say on number two, it's definitely easier. And we both understand the things that trigger the other one much more than we would have on number mm. one. But it's it's fundamentally the relationship changes from going from a couple, I think, to being your like caregivers to this yeah. tiny human that's totally dependent on you to survive. And you have expectations of each other. And I think that's another thing we probably don't talk about enough before. What's your expectation of what kind of a parent the other person is going to be? The, the person I want to be doesn't exist. So the person I want to be where I do everything, where I do all, all my mother stuff, I do all my work stuff and I control everything. That is not a person that it's not possible. It's actually not possible. So for me, all my expectations have to lower and I have to do, I, someone said to me the other day, um, actually when I was filming for this family, they said your 70 to 80% is more than enough for every situation and stop trying to be a hundred percent. You don't need to be that. Certainly not where you are right now in your life with, the kids, the age they are and everything. So you're 70 to 80 and stop beating yourself up. About Hard it. to hear though. Oh, totally. And I was going, is it enough? But then when you go away and you think about it, you go, it is enough. Like it absolutely is enough. I think that we need to all remember that everybody else is unhappy unless we're happy. Yeah, I agree. And like, you know, I think sometimes we put ourselves under all these, all this pressure as parents. And then I look at Daphne and she's really happy because she's in her knickers in the garden with the hose and I've let her hose into the pots just playing and Archie's just having a snooze yeah. and I'm going they're very simple creatures they just want to be loved and like I adore them obviously and I love them so I'm like that's enough yeah and I need to kind of always remember that go back to that but it is hard when you're in the fog and you're tired it's hard but are you happier way happier like I wouldn't change it for the world now I'm not sure I could throw any extra on top of it no. <laughs> that's okay it's only 14 weeks yeah no I'm there like oh I, at one stage I was introducing him as um that's two and done this yeah I stopped doing that now um because it's a strange introduction to a baby but um Aww. no they're amazing and I also feel deeply fortunate to have them and for them to be healthy and happy and their world is so lovely. So I think, you know, I kind of go, okay, take a moment and just enjoy it all. I think they're deeply fortunate to have you as a mum and somebody yeah. to be inspired by and to watch you grow your business and take all of your skills and your passion from your past and bring it into the future. I think you're doing an amazing job. Thank so, you. Thank you for joining oh, us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Every Mum, the podcast. Join Every Mum today to receive your free gift bag and be part of a growing community with the support and information that we all need. And get in touch with us by connecting on Instagram or Facebook with hashtag EveryMumThePodcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. This series is kindly supported by Water Wipes. Water Wipes are an essential for every mum from that first nappy change and during those messy weaning months. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes, Water Wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and are proud sponsors of Every Mum, the podcast.